and welcome to this episode of Unboxing Women, where we explore why women in business are often called such a bitch. My name is Micah Rose, and with me is my friend Dana Rex, and we are both independent recording artists and singer-songwriters based in Europe. You can listen to us on our YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform. Today, we are joined by Naomi Jean-Marie, oh sorry, down there for everybody who's watching this on YouTube, a woman who wears many hats. Not only is she a fellow independent artist and singer-songwriter, but she also leads and organizes a music project for charity at her local church as a vocal coach in Wembley, London. So that's a huge thing to just (laughs) kind of throw out there. So why don't you explain, Naomi, what you actually do, why you kind of got into doing that and um, kind of your journey in a manner of speaking. Okay. Um, Hello, everyone, by the way. Um, So, yeah, my journey, it began rewind back what, five years now? So after uni, um, you know, when you just finish uni, it's like, what do you do now? What do I do? I've just had, I just got this degree. What do I do with this degree? Um, So for me, the most natural step to kind of get myself doing something was to support my church. Um, I'm a pastor's child, so I've grown up in church and I've helped them, you know, just just along the way. But now that I came back with this degree, I was uh, like to my dad, oh, can I, can I run a, a project? And um, because we are both church and charity, it, um, I was able to apply for grants through the church. So the first and thing I did... you're in a special church, aren't you? Like it's, it's what is it, pe- Pentecostal, yeah, was it? Yeah, Pentecostal, yeah. So explain that for a second. Just so for those who, a lot of people, when they hear the word Pentecostal, um, they, they think of music because Pentecostal churches, they love their music. We're very music oriented. Um, uh, gospel music is normally associated very much with the Pentecostal church. Um, choirs, you know, big harmonies. Uh, yeah, that's, that's normally Pentecostal. Um, right, so yeah. I grew up with a lot of music around me. I grew up singing, I grew up harmonizing, grew up writing songs. Um, being a lot of uh, um, included in a lot of choirs and also directing choirs as well. So that was my background pre um, uni and then post uni. I kind of wanted, you know, just to support the church now, but bringing um, music in a different way to just, you know, church service. Um, so yeah, I, I applied to my local council. Uh, Brent, which is Brent Council, and um, I applied to run a music project, and yeah, that was it, really. That and then and I was successful in getting the money. I was not expecting it, so it was like one of those things where you go, "Oh, let me try," and then, "Oh, I've got the money. What do I do now?" You have to do it. Now. <laughs> I didn't expect. Yeah, like, this. oh my god! Yeah, now I need to start planning this. Exactly that. So it was like I was thrown in the deep end. Um, cause I had to become an employer, um, and get all these different staff members, organize a curriculum for the children, do promotion, do event planning, do just, just the whole lot going around to different schools and having uh, workshops to try and get kids in. So I had to do that whole, um, thing just from the get go. And it was a bit overwhelming, but I would say that it was the best learning curve for me. Um, and it did help to propel my career forward because um, even to this day, I run 
a project, a different project, but I've run so many projects over the years now. Um, and I found my love for just the community and for charity work through that one project that I started. That's amazing. Um, yeah. That's really great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also do um, back in singing and session work and all the, you know, the typical kind of music stuff that we do as I do as a, a, that most singers, singer songwriters do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the main work that I do is for the community. And no. th this backing yeah. backing vocals and and uh, and stuff is that for artists that we know? Is that or is that in a local studio? Um, yeah, I've done uh, a Rag and Bone Man concert. Ooh, um, nice! I met him, but I didn't I didn't back for him. Unfortunately, it was his concert, but I um, backed for the opening artist. Okay. Um, mm. His name is Sam Henshaw. He's getting quite big these days. He's growing. Um, he he yeah, he he's an artist for Sony. Um, there was another group that I worked for, um, but I think they've disbanded since then, but I can't remember the name. I think it was, it was a very weird name. <laughs> no, I remember, I remember you having the backing, uh, backing vocal gigs. Yeah. 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 It was really cool. Yeah. And they did a, um, BBC, um, the, 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 there's something that, um, new artists do to introduce themselves. So they did that BBC event. Um, I've also been on ITV4. Uh, that's a, I think it's just a UK channel. Um, yeah. And Channel 4, I've done a live event for those two. And then also there's a Christian channel called TBN. I've I've done backing for that as well. So I've done quite a lot of backing. Wow. yeah. Yeah. Currently I'm with kind of uh, a, a uh, Christian band um who do some touring here and there so whenever they're going to maybe Germany I'm, I visited Micah actually in Germany oh and I didn't get to visit you I wanted you didn't to visit, visit me no you didn't yeah. even tell me you were no in no 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 I did I did I told you and um mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I told you yeah I did I did it was about a year and a half ago now. Oh, ago. okay. Yeah, this is before yes. COVID. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've been around with them um, whenever they're doing gigs here and there. Um, uh, just short, short interlude. Them. Naomi and I went to uni together. So, oh, yes. This, just for <laughs> the people who don't know, for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Home, no, that's home, in, that's insane. Yeah. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of stuff you do. I always see how how much you work and how busy yeah. you are. Um, and it's just insane because I, I know we all go through this kind of uh, learning curve as um, well solopreneurs, really, like mm. because we we have to kind of get gigs in or get yep. stuff in to kind of keep going, and we don't have employers, so. Just a random question. Um, how did you find, as somebody who has or generally is not employed, I know you've had normal jobs before, but as somebody who's generally not employed, how was it to then become an employer? It was fun. I'm not going <laughs> to. Very fun. Uh, one of the things I love was the interview process. You know, you're behind a desk and there's no pressure on you, you know, mm -hmm. to try and do well or to say the right things um but to be on the other side even things they don't say just the way they act the way they present themselves you it, it sticks in your memory mm -hmm. um but what made my interviews more fun were the fact that it was music related and so I made them bring in their instruments 
or I was like, prepare a song. And we found ourselves having a jam. Like even after they finished performing, we'd have another a, a little sing along or just to, just to interact with them um, it, as me, not having to put on, you know, I'm not the boss hat type of thing. It's just me, Naomi. Mm-hmm. And I want you to be a part of this project. So I'm going to ask you some questions and just, just casually like that. I found that I just love that whole process. And then um, just bond, bonding with um, them as individuals as the projects went along and seeing how the, seeing how we communicate um, and how that develops as well. And, you know, they bring in their friends or if they need to cover. So I get to, network at the same time um as a, as a result of it so that whole part of being an employer um was great I loved it I loved it a lot mm. and the project in themselves was this mm. to teach children how to sing or what was the the goal so the first one I did um after uni oh yeah after I finished uni it was a music school so we did a Saturday music school and it was basically to um make the each child kind of learn foundationally about the instrument because some of them came in with no experience and then get them to write a song and get them wow. to record a song and get them to perform the song. So um, it was kind of bits of here and there. Sorry, my Recording and everything. Wow. The whole process. That's So great. from beginning from scratch all the way to performing live. And um, how old yeah. are they? So we had, I think it was between the ages of nine to 16. Wow. I I wish that they had like a project like that when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they loved it um, so much. And they surprise you. Um, Despite their age, they're so creative Mm -hmm. and so... They, you know, they grab the horn, uh, the, the the bull by the horns, and they just they run with it. I think the the most important thing is to get them to feel comfortable. Once they feel comfortable, you'll see how much potential they really have. Um, I didn't need to do a lot of. I, I thought I would need to help them or push them a lot, but I didn't need to do that. I just stood back and watched them kind of just naturally grow into their own artist. So that's it was great. great. It was, so fun That's so amazing so yeah. just uh, just a short question there um did you see any difference like because you had probably boys and girls like mm-hmm. there's always a difference even when we were in uni how mm-hmm. um there were no female instrumentalists mm-hmm. and all the girls were singers and then we had like three guy singers in the beginning mm-hmm. um how was that there like was there a difference not just in what instruments they chose, but also mm-hmm. in how they interacted in the group and stuff. It, um, you know what? I think we were, so we, first of all, we had a, a female drum teacher. Ooh. So that kind of set a standard for, you know, there's yeah. no limits, whatever you yeah. feel like doing, do. Um, one of the students who was a girl wanted to do the, the bass guitar. Cool. So we went for that. So I think we, I don't, I don't think they felt any limitations as to what they should pick based on their gender. They just went for what they wanted to. Um, That's good. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, that, it's also yeah, really yeah. cool that you kind mm. of gave them that opportunity because mm. like if it had been say all male teachers for Teacher, instrumental yeah. instruments, then that would have maybe set a different kind of mm. message. Um, yeah, so that's true. really cool. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really that's really great. 
um, you know, if you can see it, if you can see yourself, your mm. your gender and your color, obviously as well in mm -hmm. teachers or in 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 heroes like that, then it yeah. just makes all the difference to the kids. Yeah, it does. You know, I think there is something about growing up in London that does help to break those stereotypes as well, because we naturally just grow around with grow up with a lot of different cultures. Um, mm. uh, we're surrounded by people from all different backgrounds. And um, yeah, I think generally um, it, we do find that the there is less limitations around exploration just because we grew up in London where it's such a, a hub of of integration so I think that did help as well yeah I think that's very true I was just actually this weekend talking to somebody who had um, um, a couple uh, an older German couple who had lived in London for a couple of years And um, they had a friend there who had been living in London for probably decades. And um, that friend said she would stay in London forever, but she would never live anywhere else in the U in the UK. <laughs> um, because it was, she said it was so nice and cultural and um, everybody was accepted in London. Mm. And so she as a German was then also accepted. Um, mm. And she had the feeling that in other places not everywhere obviously but in other places that's not the same and I think London mm. is a very welcoming diverse atmosphere mm. so, open-minded yeah. yeah I have the same feeling with London as well when I walk around there obviously I've had colored hair for a long time <laughs> and in London people don't stare at me <laughs> because of yeah. it so when I'm somewhere else um Well, besides like New York or something, obviously that's like, it's, mm -hmm. it's insane. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, anywhere else people kind of like look twice. They're like, oh, oh, her hair is pink. And they kind of look at your hair. But my hair is very close to my face. So they're kind of, it's as if they're looking at me and they're like, and they're, they're walking past. And then, it's, you know, it's like, oh, why are they looking at me? And then I, I, it dawns on me, oh, they're not looking at me. They're looking at my hair, you know. But it's very, yeah, I don't want to say in, invasive because obviously mm -hmm. I, I invite stares with this. Um, so I'm kind of used to it. But when my friend um, walks along with me, she always says, why are people staring at you? And then she also realizes, <laughs> oh, it's the hair. And in London, I don't have that at all. People just, you know, just walk by without looking at me. <laughs> so it's all kind of more normal and accepted. Yeah. You know what? I did not even realize you had pink hair until you, you brought it up. <laughs> That's how it was just, it just went straight over my head. You see, it is great. I love the color. I love it. Hair every day. No, but it, it's true. London is very, very open-minded like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to ask you about the vocal coaching. So yeah. you do that as well. Is that like yes. your main uh, source of income or or, or what, no. is, what do you do that with? Um, yes and no, actually. Depends. Mm -hmm. So I've, I do vocal coaching. Yeah, I do both private and I work for schools as well. So oh. I'm a peripatetic, te peripatetic teacher. So I go in just to do vocals. Um, okay. in different schools I've got one main school that I work in but I do also pop in others so I would say from that source yes it's the main but I do do private lessons as well okay. um yeah I started that just through doing um charity work so from running projects parents will come up to me and say oh can you teach my child on the side um so that that happened by accident it did it wasn't an intentional thing 
But I also grew to learn more about my own voice in teaching and just learn more about the body in general. And, you know, you, you learn your own little tips and tricks here and there yeah. um, that help people, even if you don't know the, the correct, you know, the language to use. But, you know, when you see that they're making progress and they're learning and they're com- becoming more confident, I was getting more confident and I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then someone... <laughs> asked me um I got a friend who's a teacher and he asked me do you want to come and do some vocal lessons and I was like oh, I don't know I'm not really like that knowledgeable but I gave it a go and I've been doing it since so yeah oh that's yeah. cool you say you're not knowledgeable you are even in uni you had a really great sense of what you could do with your voice um <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's something I oh. developed in the past two years or something and you had it then so I can imagine oh. that you're very far along um oh. so like hats off I think it's really cool um thank you <laughs> I think sometimes you don't you don't notice things about yourself um mm. yeah so I think it was one yeah. of those things I didn't know I didn't know I, I could until I yeah tried. because you yeah. can so it's mm. it's kind of it's kind of that one of those things where it's and it just it go, just goes to show again it pulls into our topic of the podcast very well because mm. men assume they can and mm. women often mm-hmm. think they're not as good as they are yeah yeah so yeah. but you are I think it's really interesting <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> Thank you. like Thank look you. at what you've achieved it's insane mm. um I remember you going through the process of um getting those grants and you mm-hmm. just you just glossed over them right now you were <laughs> applying to grants all the time it was just mm-hmm. like some of them went through Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I remember that being an insane amount of work yeah so a lot yeah don't <laughs> belittle that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you deserve your crown <laughs> <laughs> sorry how how many people were you um how many people is this about so how many children did you do you get in, in a, an average project oh it it varies um the first one I specifically um limited it because I just didn't want to get overwhelmed I can so imagine was, yeah and because you're going from scratch to performing so I had 20 kids all together that I was working with over the course I think of three months three months okay of, mm-hmm. uh, working with them um but I've worked with a project with a hundred kids Whoa. um yeah I've worked with a project 50 40 30 it just depends on on what type of project it is so how many projects have you done so far then I've done a lot so I've not applied for all of them myself Mm. um some of them I get invited to be a part of um there's one that I'm currently working on there's a bit we're on a bit of a break but that one's tackling gun and knife crime and when we first started it was just with a woman, she had a, an idea. She wanted. She, I think she had gone through some personal um, things with gun and knife crime, and she, so she had a passion for it. So um, she started a project, and we had about maybe at first about fifteen kids at most, and then the Metropolitan Police, which is the main police, the people who take care of the police for us in in the UK, um, mm-hmm. they they. Um, wanted to help us and support us and um, there were some shopping malls that we did it at they wanted to support us and then um, now the um, what's it called the FA stadium FA whatever we didn't even know they were in, interested in things like gun and knife crime but aside from sports they also 
um, support work like that. So they joined us and That's now great. it's become a national project because it was only supposed to be for the community. Wow. Yeah, so the <clears throat> Metropolitan Police gave us a bus so that we can go <laughs> around and do vocal lessons on the bus. That hasn't started yet. But this mm. is just, yeah, just oh, telling you how... Oh, but I remember you talking yeah. about this. Yes, yeah, it's been yeah. in the works for a while, hasn't For a while, it? yeah. Mm. So mm. because of COVID, we had to kind of postpone things. So yeah, I to imagine. And when, when is that again. starting up now? Um, we don't know. There's some okay, yeah, little... Right. Yeah, yeah, little... And we're trying to get some famous people in there. <gasps> so, yeah, we're trying to make it as big as... Because we need, especially this area in London, we, we th- there's a significant amount of gun and knife crime. And so many families are um, affected by it. So we want to help youth to kind of stay away, stay off the streets, you know, find your love in music and in other things, you know, um, stay away from the streets. It's just stay away from the streets because that's where it starts. You're hanging around the streets and then you start to get into the wrong crowds. And um, sometimes they just get hurt from being on the streets. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's because they're in the wrong relationships, the wrong people that they get drawn into things that they shouldn't. So we're just trying to, from a young age, tackle that issue so that they grow up um, not suffering and being a victim of gun and knife crime. With, it's great that yeah. you're doing that with music yeah. and yes. to bring it back to gender again and you know mm-hmm. kind of the issues that we've been talking about throughout the podcast uh, so far um, so gun and knife crime are you talking mm-hmm. about gangs or are you yeah. also talking about the victims so the notion that a victim is gonna be a woman uh, mm-hmm. especially when it's about um uh, mugging or rape or things like that so does that tie into that or is this strictly gang related things and so Um, towards men or is that also is that wrong of me to think that so typically I mean statistically it is true that um most males uh, you'll find that gangs are made up of mostly males but it is also a female problem um both on both sides on the victim the ones being victimized and the ones um, who are, you know, the perpetrators, let's say. Yeah. The perpetrators. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, um, I would say that it's also, it's a, even if you don't have direct, you're you're not directly being involved in it. um, Children, they mentally, they're scared to go out on the street. So this is for both females and males. They're all, I mean, Ian, you know, actually, before I even get on that point, most victims are actually males as well. Aha, uh-huh. um, okay. Yes, most victims, because they are the ones who normally um, are. So even if you're not in a gang, if a gang has a problem with another boy, another because mm. it's normally guys who are in the gangs, they have a problem with another gang, they go looking out for that person. A lot of the times you'll find that they'll shoot the wrong person just because they look like him. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah okay. So well, either way, have... it's oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But then um people so there's been a lot of um schools who have suffered because they go to the school to find the people. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. I I personally know of a boy who was just walking home and got stabbed at school gates he wow. died 
running oh, away. Oh my god, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's it's really it's. I mean, the, yeah. these gang uh, problems. It's a it's a big it's a community problem, isn't it? And it's I'm a, sure that everybody definitely. in the community wants to have it solved. But on the mm -hmm. other hand, yeah, they, I mean, they're. Uh, It's so yes. great that you're yeah. trying to solve this with music and giving them something else to do than to do, hang yeah. out on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like now from school, let's bring them into a project, to into a safe place. Yeah. Um, don't make them hang out, you know, on the road. So it's it's both for, for it's just for the, the youth. It's for everyone who who's growing up in this area, basically. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's really and how young do you think that starts? Oh, from It can start from four years old or, or younger. Wow. Because, yes. That's yes. insane. Yeah. Very young. Very young. Do they like hang out with their brothers or something or stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a word for it, right? Grooming. There's a word called grooming. Mm. Or something. Oh. So they start mm -hmm. them young. Yeah. They start them young. Mm. That sounds that sounds awful, yeah. So, yeah, wow. I mean, amazing that you're oh, doing this work. You're <laughs> such a negative turn. I'm so sorry. No, no. <laughs> I, it's important to talk about these things yeah. and this is one of the big reasons why you're doing this as well yes. yeah um so it's i mean music so often music in in and of itself already has like meaning and value but mm -hmm. it's amazing what people can do through music and mm -hmm. by using music and yeah. introducing people to it and i think that's really great Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Definitely. yeah i i think also that i mean the work that you're doing with that is so important and you know some people might do this with like sports or or maybe animals or something like that but music and and entertainment i think is a, a you know it finds a special place in everyone's hearts as well and uh if if that's the tool that you can use to give people a safe place to educate mm. them about the dangers and to you know not have them fall into that um Uh, that that way of life i think i think that's really valuable i think that's yeah, very valuable yeah. and the thing is it's like you you're using what you know to try and connect with them so for me it's not just about teaching them vocals or how to write a song it's about forming a relationship because then they start to open up with you and then you start to give them advice then you start to help them um and and from there you find that you'll know them as they grow up You'll, you'll, you'll be able to always input into them um, guidance and help, um, even if they don't themselves continue learning music or playing an instrument. But it was that doorway to, to, to form that relationship and that connection. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Very important. Um, I have two more questions for you. Okie dokie. Um, <laughs> so um, first question would be, What would you say to somebody who's trying to start something like this, to grow some, a project like this or something similar? What would your advice for them be for the beginning? Um, I would say it's if you're going to start, see it through to the end. Um, because when you do in projects like this, you can grow um, weary especially when you're stuck especially when you're new to this I was lucky because I got money on the first time of applying um uh so it helped me a lot but sometimes you'll find that you'll get a lot of you know uh what's it called unsuccessful applications 
Um, you may also find that there aren't a lot of attendees. Um, you know, sometimes you'll have two people come and then, you know, it takes a long time to build up. But I think if you have a heart for it, um, the best way to show that you have a heart for it is to stay there and to keep on um, trying, you know, um, do what you can and then enjoy what happens no matter what. Um, that's what Amazing. I would say. Yeah, that's great yeah. advice. Yeah. Yeah, that is. And um so the second question is something that we ask all of our ah. um, uh, all of our guests here is, have you ever been called such a bitch? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. No, I have not. Uh, I feel like I, I would have I would have wanted to say yes, to be honest, just so that I can. <laughs> no, I haven't, unfortunately. However, unfortunately, <laughs> however, I do know what it's like to be a female in the industry. I do feel that um, mm. I the first as a backing singer, the first two gigs I got was because of the way that the females look. So the female didn't look right for the part. They had a better voice than me, had more experience than me, but simply because of the way they looked, they, they were fired and I was brought in. So I know, and then that pressure to maintain an image, to be like, oh, do I look good? It wasn't about the voice, unfortunately. It wasn't wow. about the talent, it was about the look. So as yeah. a female, um, yeah, I, I, I went into the industry feeding the pressure um, to look feminine, to look put together. And that's not naturally me, if I'm honest. Mm. I like my pajama bottoms, my, you know, but I had to, you know, really do a, a lot of, I had to buy a lot of clothes, had to buy makeup, had to try and learn things so that I could look the part. Okay, sorry, but you know how to do makeup. That's I I <laughs> lost that a long time ago, Micah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm an all natural gal these days. So, <laughs> I've lost my touch. And this is this um, is for a backing singer uh, position? Yes, a backing singer. Exactly. And you had to buy the How clothes yourself. Exactly? Yes. That's so weird. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, so, but I remember you saying that, um, was this the girl that was fired because she was white? Yes. Mm. Yes. Right. I didn't want to try and say too much, just in case. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, she no, was white. Yeah. If you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, because I remember you telling me that. And um, I think it's, it's, it's insane how, uh, how it goes like with, how, like you said, with looks, just the look wasn't mm -hmm. right. So yeah. it's really, you're a commodity at that point. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, some people would be say, fair enough, they're paying. Mm -hmm. um, but it is really interesting to mm. observe. Yeah. Also, I'm very much not surprised that you've never been called a bitch because you're one of the nicest people I know. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that doesn't surprise me. Uh, and I'm very happy that that is the case. Yes. I'll, I'll update that you guys as things go on. You never know. You never know. <laughs> no, you never know. Oh, I'm going to. The thing is, though, if somebody ever calls you a bitch, you're going to. Oh yeah, you you know you know, you know I've got two no. sides. To the thing me. is though, she never shows her bad side ever unless somebody uh, goes too far. Well, there you go. Maybe I've maybe, seen it once, and I've known you afraid. for what now? <laughs> seven years? <laughs> yeah, more? I think more than that. No, I think it's seven. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah. I think that's all for today. Then 
And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Unboxing Women today. Uh, be sure to connect with us on our socials, which you can find in the show notes. Let me just uh, pull up the banner. It's very important. Um, you know, you can uh, send us a DM or let us know your personal experiences with the hashtag such a bitch. Today's guest has been Naomi. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It was great to have you. Thank you. And so all of Naomi's projects will be in the show notes. Be sure to check them out. Uh, don't forget to support your favorite artists through merch or donations. And my name is Dana Rex, and we've been chatting with Naomi and Ma Micah Rose. Uh, tune in to another episode of Unboxing Women next week. See you then. Bye. 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 Bye.